Ephesians 5, 8 through 21. For those of us remaining, let me invite you to stand in honor of God's word. As I read that for us. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful work of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and make melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning, church. I want to start off by sharing a little story of an encounter I had with someone I know recently. So there's this guy I've known for a few years, not very closely, but a friend of a friend. Uh, but I've been praying for him, for his faith, that he would respond to the gospel, turn to the Lord, and begin walking in the fruit of new life in Christ. I knew that he wasn't following God, really cared to have anything to do with God, so it seemed pretty unlikely, to say the least. And I regret that my prayers for this man uh, have waned in the last year or so, after the true reality of his darkness was brought to light. For it became apparent that he had been physically abusive in a relationship, struggling with addiction, and was resistant to accountability in these things. So I was really surprised when a few weeks ago I saw on social media a picture of him being baptized at a church. I was surprised, encouraged, Hopeful, and as someone who works with women who've experienced a lot of abuse and trauma, somewhat suspicious at the same time. But I reached out to him to see if that he'd be willing to meet up one-on-one. It never happened before, but to my surprise, he agreed. We sat down together a few weeks ago, and I heard how God had answered even my weak and waning prayers. How he brought someone to his life who shared the gospel with him, brought him to church, how God even used a song he overheard on Christian radio to help the gospel click in his heart and how he didn't just repent and trust in the Lord but also began pursuing accountability with his new pastor, joined a small group with other Christian men, started counseling, and as far as I could see is walking in the light. Our passage today in Ephesians 5, 8 through 21 is about how God actually changes people who are in darkness, into light in the Lord, and how we as children of light are able to produce good fruit. The last couple of sermons have been very convicting. As Tony mentioned, 
It's like coming away from a men's retreat where you've heard all this very inspiring things and there could be a sense of discouragement of like, wow, I have not been measuring up to that. I know I've already been struggling to do these things and I feel like I'm stuck in these patterns of sin. Paul pauses briefly in this litany of how we should be living our life in light of these truths that he has been proclaiming in the first chapters of Ephesians. He pauses briefly to remind us of a, of a true reality about who we are that gives us motivation and encouragement for doing these kinds of things, the kinds of things that he's going to lay out in the rest of these verses. As we will see, Paul is calling the church to shine brightly and bear fruit in a dark world. But before we consider what the shining brightly and bearing good fruit looks like, we need to ponder this new reality that he has for us. And before we do that, we need to pray and ask for the Lord's help. Pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations that will result in our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Let's turn back to Ephesians. We'll pick up in verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. This is an amazing reality. God has taken that which was darkness and turned it into the exact opposite thing. God takes people who have no desire to love him, who are completely in love with sin and evil, who are running from God as fast and as hard as they can, who are angry with him, who do not love him at all, and he makes them light. This is amazing news for all of us, for the church, for the world. One thing this means is that it is now possible for you to not sin, to not give into a temptation, to not give into anger or a lack of self-control. It is possible for you to stop looking at pornography, as we talked about last week. It's possible for you to have uh, gentleness, to end addiction. It is possible for you to forgive those who have wronged you. These things are now possible. Now, as I said, when we hear these kinds of things that we've been looking at in the last couple of weeks, it's easy to become discouraged and feel hopeless. Perhaps you have experienced some of the Holy Spirit's enabling in your life of producing new patterns of living. Perhaps for you, you doubt that God could do that for someone else in your life. Someone who seems so bent on sinning, so far from ever turning to the Lord. Perhaps a spouse, a neighbor, a child, a friend. Paul wants the Ephesians to know that when they believed in Christ and received forgiveness for their sins, that God changed their identity. And that he can do this for anyone who believes in Jesus. This is what God does all the time. He takes people who aren't just in darkness or in dark situations, but actually are darkness. And he turns them into light, light in the Lord. When we put our faith in Christ, we become united with Christ in his very nature. 
And because we are now the opposite of what we once were, we can do the opposite of what we once did. You know, at one point, when we were in darkness, it was actually impossible for us to do anything good. Right? We didn't desire to do anything good. We didn't desire to do anything to glorify the Lord. One day, it's going to become impossible for us to ever sin again. And that is a beautiful reality. But right now, Paul wants you to know that if you are in the Lord, it is possible for you to not sin. It is possible for that to end. As one, uh, as it says in 1 John 3, Beloved, we are children, God's children now. What we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So as we wait and long for that day when we are fully made perfect, know that today, God has already started that work. You are light. You are able to walk as children of light. If you are in Christ through faith in Christ, that's who you are. It is your new identity as a believer. But if you are here today and you do not yet believe in Christ, really thankful that you're here. Do you long for these things to be true for you? Are you tired of living in darkness? Are you tired of hurting other people, disappointing yourself because of sin? It isn't fulfilling. It isn't honorable. It doesn't produce lasting satisfaction or joy. I know this from my own experience. This doesn't have to be your reality any longer, though. Do you want to be made new? Christ can do that for you. Do you want to live differently? He can give you the strength to do that. How? He explained this to us back in chapter 2 of Ephesians in verses 1 through 10. And I want to paraphrase that to you now, speaking directly to you. So for you, if you do not have faith in Christ yet, you are dead in your sins right now and the sins in which you are currently walking in, following the course of this world and the spirit that is now at work in children of disobedience, among whom all of us, all of us in this room have once walked, all of us who have lived according to the passions of our own flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and our mind, by nature children of wrath like the rest of humanity. But hear this, God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love that he has for you right now while you are dead in your sins, can make you and desires to make you alive together with him. By his own grace, he can save you. This is not a result of your works. Even if you tried, you couldn't earn it. It is a free gift from God. Not a result of making up for any of the junk you've ever done. I urge you, even right now today, to believe these things. To believe that Jesus loves you and died for your sin and your place in order to give you a new life. To make you light so that you can glorify him in your new life. If that is something you want to do, we want to be a part of that with you. Especially if you don't know anyone else here, I encourage you to please come and find me 
during the time of communion later or find me after the service. Or if you're uncomfortable with that, in the very least, take that Connect card that's on your seat and put your name on there and say that you want to know more about becoming a believer of Christ. Put that in the offering bag when they come later. To summarize this first point, Paul is reaffirming to the church in Ephesus that they can walk as children of light because God has changed who they are. They can do the things we talked about in the last two sermons, and they can do the things that he outlines in the rest of this chapter. So let's take a look at those things now. The first being that children of light are to bear good fruit. Let's look at verses 8 through 11, and then we'll jump down to 15 through 17. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Then jumping down to 15, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of a time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Darkness is unfruitful. This is spiritually true, but is also generally physically true as well. If you've ever tried to garden in a space that has too much shade, you know that good produce, good fruit, does not grow well in shade. And if you get any fruit at all, it's sparse and puny. It's not rich in nutrients, right? Good fruit doesn't grow in the darkness. What does grow in the darkness? Many of you have probably done the experiment when you were in elementary school where you take a little mason jar and you put some water in there and a piece of bread or food and you close it up and stick it in a closet for a couple weeks and you forget about it. And then eventually you go and find that jar and you pull it out into the light and you see all this green, black mold growing in there, right? The kinds of things that grow in darkness are these kinds of things. Things that we, we are uh, disturbed by. Things that we generally want to, uh, to clean, to get rid of. Light produces all sorts of beautiful things, though. Satisfying, helpful things. So walking as children of light means that we should produce a life abundant and plentiful in all that is good and right and true. Things that are good, wholesome and helpful. Things that are right, just and fair. Things that are true, not false, not deceptive, not like a mirage or a shadow. So children of light, what are your lives producing? Is your life producing these kinds of things? Another way to think Or judge whether your life is producing good fruit is to ask whether your life is producing or nurturing the kinds of things that will exist or carry into Christ's coming kingdom. Will they thrive in that environment? What are those kinds of things? Lots of kinds examples we see in the scriptures. The praise and worship of God will exist in the kingdom of heaven. The celebration and enjoyment of creation will exist in Christ's kingdom. The proclamation and understanding of absolute truth 
the honoring greatly of those who are least in this world, the poor, the widow, the orphan, the slave, the inmate, the sick, the old, the young, the elimination of illness and hunger and poverty will exist in his kingdom. The comforting of those who are suffering and in mourning. Hospitality for those without a home. A functional family of people who overcome all barriers of race and ethnicity and language and cultural background will exist in Christ's kingdom. These are the kinds of produce, the kinds of fruit that we should be trying to produce in the fullest extent that is possible now in this life with the time that we have. One of the specific fruits of light that Paul describes in this passage is that light exposes and transforms the darkness. If we look back at verse 11, it says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. In other words, it's insufficient for us to simply avoid participating in darkness, but we must shine brightly in the midst of it. We have to go further and actually direct and focus the light on things that are dark when we encounter them. And there are many opportunities to do that in our culture and community. Here are a few ways that we can expose the darkness. First, we have to expose the darkness in our, old, in our own hearts. Right? Jesus says in the Gospels that if you want to remove a speck in your brother's eye, first you have to remove the log that is produced, protruding from your own face. Then you'll be able to see clearly that speck in your brother's eye. So we shine the light and our own hearts, revealing and rebuking the darkness that we find there. It's what we've been doing the past couple of weeks. We've been working through Ephesians. You can expose the darkness by being a whistleblower, right? Coworker is committing fraud. Supervisor is discriminating against or sexually harassing a coworker. A policy has come down from corporate. It's clearly illegal or unethical. You can keep your head down, do your job as well as you can, try not to make a fuss, or you can shine brightly and expose that darkness. You can be critical thinkers, responding to what is going on in our culture, learning how to gauge in meaningful conversation and debate with others. Kiefer Owens, a member of this church, uh, I find is really good at that. And I find his critique of culture super helpful. He has trained his mind to be able to do this really well. You can be a vocal or active advocate for change. My family has chosen to homeschool for a variety of reasons, but I am so thankful for the families in this church that have also carefully discerned the will of the Lord in raising their kids and decided to enroll their kids in public school. And through their involvement in the school district are exposing darkness. It looks like questioning and challenging practices and policies that are not in line with the light of God. Exposing the darkness also looks like getting down deep with the people in your life, 
family and friends and coworkers to help them see the specific unfruitful works of darkness in their own lives. For example, coworker, if you don't confront your addiction to alcohol, you are eventually going to lose your family or worse. This isn't easy. It's difficult work. Amy Carmichael, uh, who lived from 1867 to 1951, was an Irish missionary who shed the light on the horrors of young girls being forced into prostitution in the red light districts of India. Ironically, and so offensively, Christians, some Christians in her day, were so disturbed and shocked by the atrocities that she was bringing to light that they actually rebuked her, citing this passage in verse 12, where it says, For it is shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret, to get her to stop because they couldn't handle it. Exposing and rebuking darkness isn't an easy thing. It will most definitely come with criticism and rejection, sometimes most painfully by Christians. It will come with attack, both spiritually and from the world. It will come with great trials of all sorts of kinds. Thankfully, Paul does not leave us without a reason for hope and inspiration. Let's look at verses 11 through 14. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But, and here's our reason for hope, when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Anything that is exposed by the light becomes visible. Okay, so what is the purpose in making things visible? Is it just so that the thing or person we rebuke knows how wrong they are? No. Paul says the reason we want to make things visible is that what becomes visible becomes light. As one commentator put it, God's purpose is for those who have been doing dark deeds to see clearly the fruitfulness, fruit fruitlessness and wrongness of their actions and then turn to the light like those who have gone before them and then reject the darkness and become children of light themselves just like I saw with that friend of mine John Newton who is known for writing the song Amazing Grace is a great example of this he was previously darkness literally sailing through life as a financially fruitful captain of a slave trade ship. If you've read his biography, terribly, horrible atrocities happening there. So much darkness. And he was walking in that. Until he became light in the Lord, began producing eternal fruit by shedding light on those very atrocities that he once participated in and celebrated. Becoming an abolitionist and helping to end the slave trade. That is one of God's great purposes in wanting us to shine brightly as children of light. He doesn't just want us going around scorching those in darkness. He wants them to be changed into light. Just like he did with each of us. And this should be our hope and inspiration for exposing darkness as well. Though we will experience resistance and rejection, 
we will also have a front row seat to viewing God's redemption. It is the natural fruit of light to grow good fruit, and that should be our hope and expectation and inspiration behind shining brightly in a dark world. Anything that is exposed by light becomes visible. Okay. What is the ultimate purpose of these things? Sorry. I have a repeat of that page. Let me recap once again. As children of light, we should be producing the fruit of light. Things that are good, right, and true. Things that will last and carry over into Christ's coming kingdom. Specific fruit of that is exposing and transforming the darkness. So again, I ask you, is your life producing these kinds of things? My assumption is that if you are in Christ through faith, that you are producing these things, that you are seeing this kind of fruit. But the passage here implies that there are ways to do this in greater or lesser fruitfulness, right? As I said before, we are not yet fully what we will be. It is still possible for us to sin. It's still possible for us to do that which is not good. We are capable of wasting our time producing things of little to no heavenly value. And that really is a terrible thought, right? Of reaching the end of our days with regret for not having done well and producing good fruit. If you consider yourself a Christian and you cannot think of ways that your life is producing and celebrating these kinds of kingdom activities, Paul wants to rouse you from that slumber. Verse 15, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Paul has thought to be quoting a commonly known hymn from the early church here. Uh, Not only because it's not found in the scriptures, but also because of the instructions we read later about addressing each other with hymns. His purpose is to stimulate the Ephesian church to life and action. He urges them and us, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, wouldn't that be lovely, you might say. I just need to know what the will of the Lord is for my life, right? We all wonder about that at times, struggle to understand that. Where does wisdom and discernment come from? The Bible has lots To say about these things, Paul gives us some direction in the remaining verses. Verse 17 to 18. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. How do we do this? Verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. How do we become wise and gain understanding and discernment? His first response is pretty straightforward. Don't diminish your judgment and your intuition by drinking too much alcohol, right? It's a depressant. It will slow and impair your judgment, weaken your senses. Paul is saying to these new Christians coming up out of Ephesus, that was a city that reveled in partying and excessive drinking and overindulgence. He says, you need to step out of that. Be sober-minded, And instead, 
Let the Holy Spirit control your lives. Be filled with the Spirit. He'd give an entire sermon series on being filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. So there's a lot that could be said here that I simply can't get into. But given Paul's other references to the Spirit in this letter and his other letters, we can assume that he's not talking um, about a dramatic new experience like the disciples um, had when the Holy Spirit first came down in the beginning of Acts. Rather, Paul is referring to the stirring up of the Holy Spirit that is already present in the lives of believers. He goes on to say how we do that. Do not get drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's interesting. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. One way to kind of just even understand the grammar of this passage um, would be like this example. If I were to tell my children, be respectful to your mother, and then I followed that up with a series of ways that they could do that, it might go something like this. Be respectful to your mother. Saying yes the first time she tells you to do something. Thanking her for making your lunch. Reminding her why she is special to you. My point is that those actions of addressing, or the actions of addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord, being thankful, humbly submitting to others, are actually ways that Paul is saying that we can fan into flame the spirit that is already in us. And I wish I could expound more on each of these things in particular. Um, but it, so it would be a great thing for you to perhaps meditate on later today or this week. Being thankful to God and making melody in your hearts might be a little bit more accessible to us. In the next few weeks, we're going to talk about submission and what that looks like. So for our remaining time, I'm going to just focus on addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Paul has a really similar instruction in his letter to the Colossians that is helpful. In uh, 3.16 of Colossians, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So when we read this in Ephesians, that we are to address one another in, in these songs, Paul isn't saying that like after the renewal gathering here, when we get together for small talk, that we're supposed to do this in some kind of operatic, musical, sing-songy way. Just like singing songs to each other, right? No. What he is saying is that um, we are to teach and admonish one another using hymns and songs. But that is an interesting thing. Why, why that specifically? Why not just truths or doctrine? Why psalms and hymns specifically? Well, Paul Tripp, in describing the unique blessing of music, says it this way. God is the ultimate musician. His music transforms your life. The notes of redemption rearrange your heart and restore your life. 
So God's truth, put thoughtfully and poetically to music, have a unique way of rearranging our hearts, restoring life, stirring our affections. That's what psalms and hymns do. We take the truths we know, we, uh, the writers of them take these truths, they sit on them, they chew on them, meditate on them, and they, in the unique way and gifting of artists, put them, phrase them in such a way or put them to music in such a way that it moves us in our spirit. We've all experienced this, right? Like you don't have to know, we don't have to know the original music of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, or really to put it to any tune at all, to be moved in our hearts by the deep truths that are described there so poetically. When we sing and praise and worship in light of these understood and felt glorious realities, our affections are stirred, the spirit is stirred within us. So, do you want to discern the will of the Lord and how to live a fruitful life as a child of light? One way to do that is by causing God's word to dwell richly within you. Quoting, singing, or listening to others quote and sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that awakens you to God's spirit within you. The spirit of truth, the spirit of wisdom and discernment that will show you how and where to produce these kinds of fruit to expose darkness in the world. Just like that man I referenced at the beginning. Someone shared the gospel with him, right? That was important. He went to church. He heard the word of God being preached. But God uniquely used him hearing a song on Christian radio to just move in his heart and help the reality of, and as he said it, um, the fact that God isn't really needing something from me or wanting uh, me to do something for him, but he just loves me right now. A song helped that sink into his heart. In conclusion, all of this is possible. All these things that we've talked about is being filled by the Spirit, discerning the will of the Lord, producing fruit of light as children of light. It is all possible because who we are in Christ. You have, if you've put your faith in Christ, even if you did not, or even if you did that just now this morning in your seat in a gym at the YMCA, you have been united with Christ transformed at the very core of who you are, taken from darkness to light. That is amazing reality. Let's pray. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was darkness and blind, but now I am light and see. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do this for us and that you are continuing to do this in this dark and broken world. We praise you and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.